Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. Drew Meredith, how are you going? Pretty good. It's good to be back. Yeah, we're talking economics and we're going to tell you everything you need to know about economics or thereabouts, give or take 50%. Um, Just letting you know I fell asleep in this part of my university degree. (laughs) You know, the only university unit that I failed was uh, finance and accounting. (laughs) Well, the only one that I failed was advanced microeconomics. Advanced microeconomics. Didn't even know there was an advanced version. So, we're going to talk to you about economics, kind of what you need to know if you're an individual investor, or if you're trying to construct a portfolio. We're not going to cover everything because the world of economics is obviously a big thing. If you like the show and you want us to do a bit of a deep dive into macroeconomics or microeconomics or some other thing, let us know. Um, we also have resources. So if you want to extend your knowledge, um, we did struggle a little bit to get the, the best resources on economics to give you that foundation, but there is a bunch of stuff there, including a video, how the economic machine or system works. It's a fantastic free video on YouTube, which will tell you a lot about credit and those types of things. I always end up on Investopedia somehow, just for basic concepts. You know that the owner of Investopedia is the same owner that owns (laughs) bodybuilding.com? I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah. another one of those useless facts. (laughs) Yeah. And useless fact number 18,600. Never take our one on interview. I think it was a company called ISC. Uh, Anyway, so- we're talking about economics. This isn't our usual episode. Normally, Drew and I would be talking um, every Saturday answering your questions. If you are new to the show, head to the RASC websites and in the menu, you'll find a button that says ask a question and select the Australian Investors Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a kind review while you're at it. So, Drew, economics sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, had home economics at school, which <laughs> sounds very different. That was more useful than <laughs> traditional economics, I'd say. Yeah. But there are kind of, if you get these key things right, I think you can embrace economics with conviction. A lot of people at first think it's pretty scary. It gives you a, a basic understanding of how the world and the economy and business and these sort of things work. And how governments work yeah. at the end of the day because they're all economically driven, right? It definitely. But the the challenge is so much of it relies on assumptions of certain facts that it, it, not everything always holds, which is you know, it's why you see macro forecasts, macroeconomic forecasters and economic forecasters coming out every day and predicting interest rates to go up or what the GDP or retail sales result will be. And 98% of the time, they're wrong. 
Yeah. So when we talk about uh, macroeconomics, what we mean is like the economics of like a government or a country or say the European Union. We're talking about like the big picture macro. When we talk about, you know, at the the individual level, we talk about microeconomics, we talk about uh, supply and demand curves and those types of things. They're two distinct fields of economics. Uh, and you can read more about them online. But when we say macro, it's shorthand for macroeconomics, meaning the big picture. Yep. Micro meaning, you know, getting into the details around supply and demand. Speaking of, um, commodities is probably a good way to explain. I'm just throwing it on the spot here. Definitely. Um, it's probably a good way to explain supply and demand. So maybe if we say Fortescue does iron ore. Yep. Um, Fortescue. <laughs> this will be a challenging one. Digs, I mean, digs stuff out of the ground. Yep. So that's the supply. Yep. Now, if it goes into the market where there's extra supply, the cost of their um, iron ore goes down because yep. they can't sell it for the price because everyone's got iron ore in the market. Yep. And then it finds a floor at a price where the demand for the iron ore meets the overwhelmed supply. And a significant portion of the demand for iron ore, for instance, it's important to know where demand comes from. It's yep. like 52% comes from China yep. as well. But essentially, every market, to some extent, the price of an asset is driven by Supply, to and supply and demand. And when people say free market, that's that's what they, they're saying, that demand yep. and supply and those factors, call it animal spirits or whatever you want to, is what is determining the price. But then there's a lot of potential inputs on that. So some countries will subsidize some sectors which will impact the price that they're able to yeah. put on a global market or demand will be stimulated by you know, rebates or something for certain. Yep. So, But, but broadly- Demand and supply determines price. Well, we just did a episode on uh, property yep. uh, where we talked about kind of what you need to know about property investing. If you and I are both competing for the same property and it's very unique as we talked about in that episode, we're both going to bid up the price until one of us gives up. So that's where there's supply of one and there's two buyers. So there's an imbalance if we're both competing up. So push the price up. But conversely, if there were two sellers selling the identical property and there was only one of us, yep. we could negotiate them down because exactly. there's oversupply. Uh, and that happens all the time. And it's actually one of the reasons why we tend to be mindful when we look at the results of uh, mining companies, so iron ore or uh, gold companies, anything that produces a commodity or something. By the way, commodity sounds- Price-taking. Yeah, it's, exactly. They're price-taking. So they're selling something which is commoditized, meaning it's the same across everything. Yeah, they've got no control over what the price of that is. Because if, if Drew's selling iron ore to you and I'm selling iron ore, you just pick the iron ore, which is the cheapest because there's no difference between the two. Yeah. But if we're both selling different versions of baked beans, maybe Drew's SPC, I'm Heinz, um, you would pick the one that has some brand differentiation or taste or whatever. So yeah. they're not commodities, even though they kind of are, in Warren Buffett's language. They kind of are. Slow, I mean, even in that case, it's like 10 cents difference for- <laughs> <laughs> but, but Like Nike versus, I don't want to say uh, an alternative, yeah. Dunlop. Dunlop. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's That's- that's where brand plays a role. New Balance. In, in Someone's price. wearing New yeah. Balance right now. Look down yeah. their feet. Like, oh, <laughs> but New Balance. Apologies. This is not a podcast unless we annoy someone. Is it? So, yeah. so, um, so that is based like the, the the principle of economics is based on this this thing called a supply and demand, and you can learn more about that online. But basically, one of the things that Warren Buffett looks for, just as a, an interesting investing uh, tip. Is that he looks for companies that take in a commodity, something that is readily available, and turns it into something that is not a commodity. Yep. So in the case of Heinz, like baked beans, he takes beans, which could be from anywhere, and he turns it into a, a branded thing, yep. Heinz baked beans, which you can only get one of. So you can charge more for it. And that's a really interesting thing. He's basically taking advantage of the supply and demand imbalance. Um, so another thing, Drew, which we talked about a lot in 2022, inflation everywhere. Yeah. 
What is it? Well, the real definition of inflation is a general increase in prices mm-hmm. and not just in a single year. So it's it's usually a general and sustained increase in prices. Because oh. do you and I mean you can there's probably multiple definitions of inflation that you can find. Yeah. But inflation going up in one year and falling in the next is essentially irrelevant. Yes, it hurts for that period, but if it falls and it goes back the same, it's where prices are consistently increasing, say three percent every year. That's what real defined inflation is yep. has generally been and so it's the price of what you're buying increasing year after year after year and we have to talk about that like core inflation right like the the, the the inflation that is more sticky so not just fuel prices bouncing up from one month to the next exactly and it, it, it is so confusing so fuel prices and understanding where fuel prices come so fuel price is important but what's the how much the impact does the cost of oil have on say the packaging yep. that is plastic that determines the price that food's being charged at the other end as well. So there's all it's so complex and there's so many inputs that a lot of it you can't you can't uh, draw out. Yep. And then like all economic data, it's a, a, none of it's perfect. You know, some like un- unemployment figures are phone calls <laughs> and asking people if they've asked if they've applied for a job. There's some inflation data smooth like property, the cost of dwellings in the US is smoothed over quarters so it doesn't go up and down. Which means it, it ends at the moment. It's going higher than it actually is. Well, it takes longer to fall, um, but essentially, and how people people explain it is the value of your dollar. You can buy less from with your dollar that you have today next year. Yep. So when if prices are up eight percent, then the apple that costs a dollar this year will be a dollar eight. You need an extra eight cents to buy it next year. And so there are multiple types of inflation too, right? There's like wage inflation, which is the general increase in wages, and that's the thing that a lot of people get concerned about because. If wages keep going up, people keep spending more, and you, it's typically harder to go back from a wage increase. Yep. Um, which is this thing that you're referring to, is like the persistent increasing cost. And governments target, or not governments, but central banks target uh, inflation of two to three percent mostly, because they want things to steadily increase over time, right? Yeah, I think the and the reason the on the flip side, deflation is when the you know, when the price of goods is falling over time, and that's happened in in sorry Japan for an extended period of time. And the reason that's a bad thing is if you know your washing machine will be cheaper five years from now or two years from now, why would you buy it? Yeah. So it makes people delay consumption con- consumption because they don't they think they'll get it cheaper in the future, and that's incredibly bad for the economy, incredibly bad for jobs. It, right? Exactly. So you don't want a deflation. That's why everyone wants inflation. It 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 forces people or it makes people incentivized to keep spending uh, or keep just living normally mm. rather than delaying consumption. So this idea of animal spirits where you want to be, and that's why governments cut interest rates and did quantitative easing during uh, the COVID sell-off was just to make sure people kept spending and had confidence to keep spending because without that, jobs start to lo- get lost, economy starts to slow, tax revenue starts to reduce, all these yeah. Kind of things could be Well, you just think about it. If you knew that a washing machine was going to be cheaper in 12 months, you'd probably hold off. But then if you knew it was going to be cheaper the 12 months after that, you'd probably hold off again. Exactly. Until eventually no one's spending any money and the thing just falls into a spiral. That's what happened in Japan. A lot of property outside of Tokyo has gone nowhere for like 10 or 20 years. Yeah, right. That's a broad generalization. So. Yeah, yeah. That property uh, is markets within markets. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I, I guess that's, that's the kind of definition of inflation. We pay a lot of attention to that because here's the thing is that inflation, in fact, the one thing that we're about to talk about, which is monetary policy. Yep. Because depending on where inflation goes, there's a reason that we try and control this. Um, By the way, who controls this? The central bank. So the central bank in most countries is separate from the government. Everyone 
Okay, Drew's giving me a bit of a technically. <laughs> so, so, yeah, well, yeah. Okay, let's not go there. But um, so that's so, the next topic after that. <laughs> yeah, uh, where government <laughs> interferes with uh, central banks. So, uh, so there's there's meant to be a separation of the power here between the governments, which can often think short term yep. and think in terms of like political uh, strength, and the 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 the, the organisation which is designed to keep the financial system stable. In Australia, that's known as the RBA. In the United States, that's known known as the Fed. You got the BOE, which is the Bank of England, and you got a bunch of others around the world that control what we call monetary policy. And if you just remember nothing else, if you're about to switch off, monetary policy just means basically interest rates. Yep. Um, now, fiscal policy is what the government's trying to do. They try and tailor the budget and all that sort of stuff. And stability of the financial system. Yeah. They say that monetary or central banks have two objectives. One's depending on the um, country, full employment or helping the, the economy get to full employment yep. and then keeping prices within to increase between 2 to 3%. Yep. And at the end of the day, you kind of want that separation because you don't want governments making political decisions, I think, in a very short period of time. You disagree? Uh, I think the concept that they're completely separated yeah. has been broken multiple times. And, and we know the they're fact- They're broken in the US, that's for sure. Yeah. And we know that the central bank's role- is you know the, if if this is going to modern monetary theory, which we touch shortly, Ooh. it's not a theory. Um, it's the fact that if the government needs to raise money via the issuance of bonds, the uh, the central bank will always buy it if it needs to. Yep. It will never let the government go default or be bankrupt. Yep, that's where you say it's independent, but not yeah, really. True. Well, let's scale into that in just a moment. But um, <laughs> so. The reason, so if inflation goes too high, we pull on a handbrake. There's a ha just think of a massive handbrake on the economy called interest rates. If you increase interest rates, people are more inclined to save their money in the bank and not spend it. That will put pressure on inflation, brings it back down. Conversely, if inflation is too low, they'll drop interest rates to push up inflation because people they'll encourage people to spend and not save the money. That's very focused on demand though. So yep. an incredibly blunt tool and we've seen that in the last few years. You cut it too much and you stimulate demand too much. You yep. cut it, you push it too hard and you know mortgage repayments going up three times. Yep. It can only touch the demand side though. So essentially what central banks are trying to do is kill demand to reduce prices by having less not and they clearly can't do anything about the supply side. Yeah, and this is where the, the, the government has to step in with fiscal policy around what are they incentivizing, what are they not incentivizing in the economy. So are they incentivizing things like um, production of local oil and gas? You know, if you if, if oil is such a big problem for us importing it, um, yet we produce so much of it, um, could, can the government make changes to control the flow of gas and oil in our economy to make sure that the inflation doesn't spike? Yeah, you know, because that if if there's no oil, of, of course, fuel at the bowels is going to go up, and that's what they're doing. No matter moment. interest rates can change that. So, yeah. it's fiscal policy, and the government should be working on the supply side, or the private market should be working on the supply side as much as possible. Yeah. Which so prices, they say the old saying, you go back to commodities, the old saying is higher prices are the cure for higher prices. Yeah, because if prices are higher, people are more, you know, marginal mining uh, sites are, are now potentially profitable. So. More supply comes on, eventually the price comes down. You've seen it time and time again. We just tend to extrapolate like we do other things, like annualized mm -hmm. returns. Annualized property promises. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We extrapolate short term into the long term. Yeah. So when we talk about unit economics, this is an aside, we talk about unit economics for companies that we are researching to invest in. What we mean is, just in case you've come across this term, unit economics, what it means is like 
for each individual widget that you sell in a company, what is your return versus your cost of that unit? So um, unit economics are you know, it's kind of often called like marginal rates, so marginal return or things like that. Like it's the extra little unit that you sell or buy and what it costs you. So software companies have really good unit economics because they can sell one new piece of software, whether it's a license for their subscription, and it costs them nothing because they right. deliver that subscription digitally via the internet. Uh, but they recruit more prices and they can increase prices and then they also have really good unit economics. But getting back to macroeconomics, Drew, fiscal policy is one that's, um, like you said, has been challenging monetary policy or they kind of are joined at the hip no matter what we do. I'm going to ask you, we've only got a couple minutes left, I'm going to ask you about this thing called MMT or modern modern monetary theory. What does it mean? Like, what does that mean? Because that's something that gets bandied around a lot. So, the most basic concept of modern monetary theory is essentially a, uh, an explanation of how the economy actually works. Yep. So the what it and and the goal of modern monetary theory, it's not <clears throat> you know everyone refers to printing as much money as you want, inflation doesn't matter. That's all yep. BS. They don't they don't say inflation doesn't matter. <laughs> the entire premise of of this is that the government should be doing everything it can to ensure full employment. Yep. They they say, uh, and I've gone across the political spectrum at different <laughs> times. Uh, I'll, I'll <clears throat> admit to that, but essentially, why no one should be unemployed unless they, you know, they have they're unskilled or they yeah. they actually can't work. If any, anyone who wants a job should better get a job. That's the premise of modern monetary theory, and and how that flows through the economy, which says either the government should be the employer of last resort or help 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 do that, which is happening in a lot of the Nordic countries at the moment. Um, and then it just explains the basics of how governments and central banks work together. It's yep. this, this idea, like <clears throat> they refer to Thatcher a lot back in yep, the UK, Thatcher, yep. that compared a uh, household budget to a government budget. You know, you have to have more income than you have expenses. Again, BS. If you issue your own currency and yeah, you can issue your own bonds, unlimited. Yeah, anyone's anyone's going to buy those bonds, uh, and if they don't, the central bank is required. In the U.S., particularly in those countries that issue around the country, the central bank is always going to step in and and buy those bonds and grow their own balance sheet. You saw it in the U.K. after they had their massive crisis. Even though the central <laughs> bank was cutting their bond purchases and increasing interest rates, they stepped back in to buy bond U.K. Just bonds. Just save the pension system and exactly keep everyone in jobs. It's, it's the buyer of last resort um, of yep. bonds, and that's this this idea. And it really matters. It, it becomes an issue if you issue debt in someone else's currency, and you you can't implement it that way. But countries that issue their own currency, um, it can be implemented. It just says fiscal policy should be used to essentially uh, what's it, smooth the economic cycle, remove the depressions and the yep. massive booms. No one really likes the depressions that go on for years. Recession, by the way, in technical terms, just means two quarters or six months of the economy going backwards, which in most people's minds is not what they think of. No. Most people come across that like, oh, is that all it is? But it's the depressions that you're thinking of when you think of recession. That's yeah. probably the picture. Real unemployment. That's yeah, real, like 20% unemployment, that type of stuff, which is crazy. Um, Was that a good enough explanation? I like that, yeah. I would just say if you just look at what – like uh, the biggest concern is like, oh, the central banks have so much debt. Um and you're like, yes, of course. Like, of course they would um, because they support the financial system. And at the end of the day, um, what we've seen for the past 30 years, I think it would be hard to argue, at least in a Western society that has democracy, um, that it's been a bad thing. Well, there's, there was like a problem in the, in the 19, I think it was in the 90s or the 80s, where we'd run so many budget surpluses uh, 
that there was no bond market left. <laughs> yeah, right. And, go, and banks have to buy government bonds. Like, there's only a certain amount of AAA-rated bonds. A lot of groups have to hold on to bonds. Yeah. Um, and that kind of refers the other part. I know we don't have much time left. Is that if a deficit by the government is a surplus to the private sector. So that means more money is going towards jobs and businesses. Yep. And, a, and a surplus to the government means they're pulling money out of the yeah. broader economy. They're making a profit. Yeah. So essentially, if you've got a surplus, you're helping to, the government will be slowing the economy and yeah. a deficit, they're trying to support it. Yeah. So what you're saying there is the government runs at a profit, uh, which is called a surplus or a loss, which is called a deficit. Yeah. And a lot of like, this is where you get a lot of political argy-bargy where they're like, so irresponsible government runs a deficit. And you're like, yeah, but you know, it's not that, not the same. That's not how it works. Like you're not making a loss. Like you maybe yeah. are in the government sense, but it's not like an individual making a loss. You don't have to issue bonds before you can pay the bills. You just pay the bills. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have the currency. So, um, so there are some other things which we'll just tack on the end of the episode here, which you should know. Most forecasts are wrong. Uh, <laughs> so that's a quick one. <laughs> that <laughs> so, was my point, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and exchange rates are incredibly important to understand yeah. too. So uh, the two key inputs to exchange rates are interest rate differential yep. between, say, the US and Australia. If their interest rates are higher, more people are likely to Go and buy get US, US dollars. Yeah. Yep. And then inflation rates as well, because obviously inflation rates are in, intertwined with interest rates, yep. for better or worse. So basically what you're saying is inflation goes up too high, the central bank will increase rates. Your dollar which, will be worth more. Then your dollar will be worth more, because everyone will know, hey, looks like Australia's interest rate is going to go up. Yep. I'll go and invest in that country. And then the dollar goes up, because the dollars are in demand, and supply and demand kicks in. And this is how global capital flows. Yeah. And that's why we see the fluctuations in currencies because you compare two currencies, you're basically comparing two economies. So that's a, we actually covered a lot pretty quick. Excellent. That was really good. Surprising. I was really worried about it. (laughs) (laughs) Two guys. Once you get me on MMT for, I could have gone for 25 minutes. But we, like, we're not going to cover everything, but we did a pretty good job. So just to confirm, we covered supply and demand. And you can remember the commodities example. Just think about the property price example as well. Inflation is a, the persistent increase in in prices. Monetary policy is controlled by central banks and its interest rates, basically, and full employment, as Drew mentioned. Fiscal policy is what the government does, and it's not always aligned with monetary policy, but it should be for the most part. Um, exchange rates, you know, what did you say? The two, two things that matter- Inflation and interest rates. Inflation and interest rates. And I was- Tongue in cheek, but I was kind of correct that forecasts are often wrong. So all the time. Yeah. It's art and science. Yep. Same as investing. Yep. So when you see a big fantastic looking chart and whatever, just be skeptical. Drew and I see thousands of them every year. Um, and I don't think I've ever relied on one of those to make an informed decision. Only my predictions. Only Drew's predictions, which normally get a, I think it's the blue button there, Drew. I think we can press that. So if you want more of that, if you want more Drew's predictions, stick around on the Australian Investors Podcast. But mate, we've got some resources in there for people too. If people want to get in contact with you, where do they go? Straight to the website, waddlepartners.com.au slash contact. Waddlepartners.com.au slash contact for financial planning. Um, Well, Drew, thanks for joining me. Good to be here. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. 
If you've ever heard me talk about a core in a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.